Seinfeld, the handicap spot is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who used to ghostwrite for the Drake. I'm Rob Sister. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, very good. Very good, Akiva. Excited to talk about the first appearance of Frank Costanza. Uh, or or not really the first appearance of Frank Costanza. <laughs> yeah, depending on, on which you one saw. you watched. Which one did you watch? <laughs> I watched the one with the real Frank Costanza. See, I watched the one with the fake Frank Costanza. Yeah, how was that? I mean, they definitely made a good decision to switch the Costanzas. Yeah, yeah. Just like the deleted scenes, the deleted actors are also, you get why they deleted them. Yeah, history was kind to the Morty decision and the Frank decision. Yeah, I think they got it right on both counts because well, I'm sure we'll talk about this. The original Frank Costanza, not great. I mean, you know, in the in the inside look, they're saying, oh, he's such a great actor. So he might have brought something different to the table. Uh, yeah. It wouldn't have been as good, but like maybe he had something there. But I mean, I didn't give him so much to do in this episode. Like he was just a complete crazy person. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't I, like he just he looks like super old and yeah. not funny. He just seems really, really old. That's the thing. It's almost like that George is visiting with his grandfather. Yeah, it's a little off. Right. George, like at the time of the first few seasons, like the Jason Alexander character should be. I know he's bald, but he should be like 34 or something like Mm -hmm. his dad. And he's an only child. Like his dad does not need to be 80. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like in the old man that his father would be contemporaries with the guys that they were going to go sit with. That's right. Like he has his own, uh, you know, buddy or whatever it's called. It comes over to his house. Yeah. His dad should have been friends with those guys. That's how they should have tied it all in together. Well, we know he does a lot of charity. But that, that's really how you know it's the fake Frank Costanza. He's all into this charity. Charity work. Right. Okay. So we're going to talk about this episode, which I think has some interesting things in it besides the Frank Costanza stuff. It's all about how the gang ends up going to the mall to buy a gift. They're going to do the chip in and they're going to get a gift for the Drake. They get this TV for the Drake. But because Kramer tells George Parker in the handicap spot, we end up with a whole kerfuffle over George's dad's car, which they borrowed in the handicap spot, which ends up leading to a chain of events to really just get George in more and more trouble with his dad. Yeah, this isn't a um, Larry Charles episode, right? Right. But it, fe- it feels like a Larry Charles episode. Yeah. Written by Larry David. Yeah. This, it, there's so many sort of like slapstick, you know, crazy scenes that, uh, especially with the wheelchairs, that it does, it feels like, it, it, you know, it's a Larry Charles episode. Okay. Akiva, before we jump into this episode, do you have any Seinfeld news for us? Uh, sure. Fish in the Dark, the play that Larry David wrote and starred in, is closing tomorrow, August 1st. It was that a planned closing? Yeah, yeah. It was always planning on closing, no matter what. It was very successful. Okay. Would you care to guess how many millions of dollars Fish in the Dark grossed? Boy, I don't have no idea. Do they make fifty million dollars? No, twenty-eight. But that's like an awful lot for uh, for a non-musical Broadway play. Yeah. So what's next? Do they make Fish in the Dark the movie? Well, so they discuss like uh, Larry's not as much Larry's next move. But uh, in the New York Post, they asked Larry, you know, what what he thinks about Broadway. Would he come back to Broadway? Um, so Jason Alexander took over for Larry, Larry halfway through the run. And uh, Jason said that there's no way you'll ever see Larry on the stage again. Hmm. He said he, he liked doing it, 
But he said at the intermission of his first performance, uh, you know, it was over. Like Larry was uh, no long, you know, Larry was over the whole thing. It was too much for him. Eight, eight times a week. Larry's not such a young man. Eight times a week is really a grueling schedule. You know, I do think that there's an interesting thing in people that there are some people. And I actually heard uh, Colin Cowherd talking about this in one of his less controversial episodes of the former herd on ESPN. He was talking about how Bill Parcells used to like to build things, but didn't like to keep them up where a guy like Belichick seems like he likes to build something and then keep it and maintain it and keep the dynasty going. Larry David seems like he's the guy he likes to try something and then wants to walk away from it. That's fair. I mean, he did stay with Seinfeld for seven years, which was, I'm sure, way longer than he would have. But who leaves Seinfeld? Who leaves the show that they created? That's a huge hit. That's the biggest show on television. It's true. It's true. Like David Chase never left The Sopranos. He's never like, okay, you know, we had a good run. Let somebody else finish it. Or, right. You know, David Simon with The Wire. So it's a fair point. Uh, he gets bored easily. He's not, you know, a lot of people are also enticed by the fame or the money. Clearly, Larry's not enticed by either of those things of We've established many times, like nobody knew who he was until he started Curb. So he didn't care about fame and the money. You know, he can't be bought, as it said in the article. Um, so first it says, asked whether he enjoyed performing on Broadway. David said it was an experience much like the army, but I didn't re-up for that. And I'm not going to re-up for this. He was offered a deal for several million dollars to do a short run of the play in L.A. His response, the word no has never come out of my mouth faster. <laughs> so you will yeah. not. You will not be seeing LD in your neck of the woods. What does he need the money for? Uh, no, he doesn't. So, like, if you if the money and the fame aren't motivators, then when you're bored of something, you just walk away from it. Yeah, and the thing about Curb Your Enthusiasm is that he does it so infrequently that it almost seems like it's a new thing when it comes back. Like, if he's doing a Curb Your Enthusiasm season every three or four years, then it's really not like he's doing the same thing. Right, and he's only committing to 10 episodes. So it's they're very self-contained. And he's not committing to like staying there forever. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what his next step is. Anything else from the Seinfeld news? Uh, no, that's about it. But yeah, I, I do think, uh, you know, the table is open for Larry to, you know, who knows, maybe do another curb. You ready for your trivia question? Oh boy, I'm never ready. In the Maestro, what mm -hmm. gift does George give to the security guard at a men's clothing store? An episode we have not covered yet. Oh boy, I don't even remember. Um, in the maestro, what gift does he give to the security guard the at the security men's guard. clothing store? Give him a pen? He gives him the rocking chair. Oh, right, the chair. Rocking chair, then he falls asleep. <laughs> Again, he came from a good place with that. Yeah, that, yeah, that was, uh, it was, you know, all, you know, best intentions, something, something, something. Yeah. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And, that is probably the case here in the handicap spot because the gang does want to get the Drake a gift. So they, uh, yeah, other than George. I mean, George does not want to get him a gift, oh. but the other three do. All right, so why don't we start off this episode? Of course, this is from May 13th, 1993. Next week is the finale of season four, right? Uh, yep, next week, double episode finale, the pilot. Wow. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're, it, it feels like we've been in season four forever. It really doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't to me it feels like we really just started season four i feel like just only a couple of weeks ago we were talking about your favorite cereals yeah hmm i just had golden grams by the way i think <laughs> i don't know i'm in i'm in florida now on vacation and i'm thinking back now to 52 weeks ago when i was on this vacation 
And we were in the beginning of season two. Yeah. So, you know, who knows where we'll be uh, next year. Hopefully I won't go on this vacation. I'll save some money. But <laughs> if I do, you know, we'll, we'll, be in, uh, we'll be in season seven. Wow. So actually you do know exactly where we'll be. A year well, I mean, now. like, I don't know the exact episode. I can't tell you off the top of my head. But uh, <laughs> if yeah, we stay on schedule. I mean, we could, who knows? We could take a break. Like one of us could, uh, you know, I don't know. Anything could happen. Yeah, I guess anything could happen. You are right. The other thing we have to keep in mind as we head towards the end of season four and the start of season five, in between season three and season four, we talked about the must-see TV TV shows and then also Akiva's serial ranking. So the question will be, is there something to do in between season four and season five? Uh, yeah, we got some suggestions. Okay, well, let's save those for the email and send them in and we'll talk about it then. But let's jump into talking about the handicap spot. Jerry talks about in his stand-up, when you are single, you get to be like a dictator. But unfortunately, when you are getting divorced, it's like uh, that you were impeached. Uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, but your impeached implies that when you were married, you had power to begin with. Yes. <laughs> like you're impeached, but is the, can the vice president get impeached? Mm. I think they can, based on what I've seen on 24. Re- oh, really? Is yeah. that canonical? 24 like follows the actual laws of the government? Mm, I think that's probably a fair point. But I do feel like the vice president is always the person up to something on 24. That's true. It's usually, yeah, you, it's always the vice president. But I feel like within like eight years, there were 14 different presidents. On oh, 24. sure, sure. So is that true? When you're single, it's a dictatorship? Yeah, I do think like there are, right, when you're single, there's nobody who can tell you what to do. Um, you know, when you're married, that's like, that's what marriage is. Just someone telling you what to do. Yeah. (laughs) Is that what it is? I mean, that's like the, that's like the number one thing. The number one thing about marriage is that it's just somebody telling you what to do. I mean, do you disagree with that? Hmm. (laughs) I don't totally disagree with it. I feel like there's gotta be more than just somebody telling you what to do. I mean, obviously there's many layers, but mostly it's like, uh, you know, you, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit of like a like a lone soldier. Like I'm I'm in my own room. I work in all day. I hear that know, avoiding the riffraff. But in mm-hmm. general, I think if I was out there in the world as part of like you know the team, I feel like I would just being be being told what to do all the time. Okay, let's start off in Jerry's apartment. George is asking Elaine, "Do good-looking women walk faster?" Yeah, they do. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I have to see on my Snapchat if anybody's using the miles per hour filter. Is that that you could use a miles per hour filter? Yeah. I'll tell you, I tried to download Snapchat. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> yeah, it's it can be very tricky. Um, do good looking women walk faster? I guess the thing is that they are just trying to not get stopped and have like all this little chit chat with all these guys that are hitting on them. Yeah, walk fast and don't make eye contact with anybody. Yeah. Elaine says, we don't walk that fast. Yeah, th- this is funny, right? Because then George is, George is like not focusing on the, on the question. He's focusing on the fact that she used the we for the good looking women, mm-hmm. which isn't so ridiculous. But, uh, we don't, you know, we never really, other than the episode we had early on where at the end they're all attracted to her from the message. Yeah. Like, George is never really like super into Elaine. Yeah. They treat her like one of the guys. He does get mad that he didn't get the Christmas card with the nip slip. Yeah, but I think that was more that he didn't get a card, not that he didn't see the nipple. Oh, interesting. He, 
He could right because he could have looked at Jerry's card any day. That's an alternate take on that. No, I think that's what it was, right? No, I think that it's open to interpretation. Okay. He would have liked his own copy, perhaps. Next time we next time we uh, analyze the pick, we'll get back into that. <laughs> when we go through it again. Second time around the block. <laughs> would be amazing. There's a, there's a podcast out there that um, just watches the same movie every week. Interesting. And they did it for a year. They did uh, Grown Ups 2. They had never seen Grown Ups 1. Okay. And they watched Grown Ups 2 every week for 52 weeks. And remember, you don't just have to talk about it 52 times. You actually have to watch the movie 52 times. And people listen to this? Uh, yeah, I think. I, like, I, I only listen to a couple. They have very, they're from New Zealand. Yeah. So they have like very thick accents, and I, I wasn't like super into it. But in theory, it's a very good idea. I think this year they're doing one of the Sex and the City movies. I'm not sure if it's one or two. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, they did it for a full year. Yeah. Um, so like if we ever if we ever finish and we just started like didn't say anything, just the next week wrap right back around to episode Top one. Of the order. Here we go. Good news, <laughs> bad news. Around. Yeah. Oh, I man, think I there would, might be I, something to that of like now look at how much experience we have. Now we know everything. You know, now that we know where all the jokes are and oh, this is gonna be the first time we see this. Of course, then this is season three, this is gonna come up. I feel like it's funny in practice, like if the day ever get, if there's ever like 30 hours added to each day, like that would be a good thing to slot into one of them. But are we really going to want to do this again? I feel like in fairness, I feel like there are like a lot of lost podcasts that end up doing that. They just the like, difference right, is you again. can really you can pick up a lot of things like, yes, we would be much more, uh, you know, I'd be able to answer the trivia questions for one, mm-hmm. but. We could, um, you know, we would really be experts, but with Lost, like there's, you could watch 10 times and there would be, you know, you'd never uh, catch everything. Yeah. Because it didn't make sense. Like there's nothing to catch. Let's be fair. Elaine asks, hey, can I get in on getting to the Drake's party? This seems very counterintuitive to everything we've ever seen about the people in the show. Why does Elaine want to go to the Drake's party? Well, she loves the Drake. I mean, the Drake lives out in Mineola. Yeah, we've had bad experience at Long Island parties so far on this on this series. I mean, the Drake seems okay, but I feel I have to side more with George on loving the Drake versus hating the Drake. The Drake did not seem that great. No, we one of my problems with this episode is we don't know. We needed like a little more Drake. Yeah, to form our own opinion on whether we love the Drake or hate the Drake. Because in my mind, the Drake is like the most fun guy ever. Right, he's not some like frat boy party guy that you'd expect him to be. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would imagine the Drake would be like jumping around and people would just like really love him and he's really charismatic and stuff like that. But he really seems maybe the Drake at really just sucks and she's just totally taking the fun out of the Drake. I mean, when but we see him, he's, you know, broken up with his fiance. So it's like, what right. exact what exactly is he supposed to be? Is he supposed to be a barrel F's? I don't know. I guess you're saying so he's so sad. Yeah, I mean, he just, he was, like, he just had this traumatic life experience, and now we're walking in the door and meeting him. Yeah. They're all talking about how they love the Drake. Elaine loves the Drake. What do we get the Drake? George hates the Drake. How could you hate the Drake? He just hates the Drake. What did the Drake do to George to make George hate him? I think he just hates the idea he's got to spend money on him. It's not that the fact everybody loves the Drake? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's fair. He hates the fact that people love him. But I think even more than that, George is just his cheapness is winning out that he doesn't want to have to buy him a present. And if he could talk himself out of being friends with him, maybe he doesn't have to buy this gift. Okay. 
So everybody's talking about they love the Drake. They love the Drake. Kramer comes in. Jerry is also very impressed that he has a drawing of a triangle. Say isosceles triangle. We will find out later. It's a doodle. <laughs> yeah. Did Jerry also draw a circle at one point and was very impressed with the circle? I think so. And, and you know, this is a doodle not to be mixed up with the episode, the doodle coming later. Okay. So Kramer enters. I feel like this was a rather muted entrance for Kramer here. Yeah. First time in a while he hasn't gotten an ovation. Yeah. I wonder if this is part of your thing about the later in the episode he comes in, the bigger the applause will be. And this is kind of the first scene of the show. Yeah. Um, my other explanation could be this could have been like the 20th take and the audience like had no like, you know what I mean? Like it's possible the audience explodes every time for you know, the first scene that he comes in. But once they do like the fifth take, they're not exploding anymore. So it's possible we're just watching the episodes where it's not crazy. We're just watching like one that it took a lot of takes. Okay. So we end up seeing that Kramer loves the Drake. He really does. And he really likes Jerry's triangle. Yeah, it's a great triangle. And it's isosceles. Kramer would name his kid isosceles. It's not a bad name. Yeah. You know what's a bad name? Seven. Uh, rhombus. Rhombus. Is that another triangle name? Yeah. It's a, sh- it's a shape. I don't remember. Yeah. A geometry was actually my worst subject in all of school. So we got to get a present for the Drake. And what is the occasion for the Drake? Uh, is it an engagement party? Is it an engagement party for the yeah. Drake? And they need to get him a gift. And they're going to do the big chip in. Now, I'm a fan of the chip-in. Are you a fan of the chip-in? Sure, because usually it would imply that I have to do less work. Somebody just says, hey, here's what we're doing. And I just say, okay, here's the money. Yeah, 100%. I'd rather spend a little more but not have to go get it or even worry about it. I have a big problem with trying to think of what the gift is going to be. Yeah, no, that's I'm, I'm a terrible gift giver. But even worse, I'm terrible at just even... Like, I need, I need like someone to push me, so... Someone would be like, or I'll just won't give you a gift. Like, I've forgotten to give people wedding presents, probably. Yeah. Which is really bad. So you went to a wedding and you forgot to give a present? No, I've been. Oh, yeah. First, yeah, I've probably <laughs> forgotten to give presents. You just went to the wedding? It's like, oh, my God, I totally forgot. I was supposed well, to. I never bring a present to the wedding. Never. Yeah. Like, I'll give a present. I'll tell you the problem. If we go to a wedding, my wife is in charge of the present. Okay. But let's say it's like my friend, then she doesn't even come to the we- go to the wedding. Let's say it's, you know, far away or whatever. Then I'll forget. I'll tell you, like, for example, we were talking about chipping in. So I went to a wedding recently and my friend um, bought me like a really expensive wedding present. Uh, oh, he didn't give me a present right away. And then uh, a few of my friends also hadn't given me one. So they chipped in and when we had our first kid. They got me as like a late wedding present, like a really nice crib for our daughter. Okay. So now it's tricky because anything I give him is going to be worse than the crib, even though he only gave me a third or a fourth of the crib, however much it was. Yeah. You know, anything I give him is going to be like, what am I going to get? Let's say the crib was, I have no idea how much cribs are, but let's say it's $2,000 and he chipped in 500. It's $1,000 and he chipped in 250. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you get, you can't, you don't give him like a thousand dollars because he gave you a thousand dollar present. Right. He was part of an expensive gift that was put together. Right. Anything I give is going to be junky. One time also, uh, one of our friends got married really young. We chipped him and got him like whatever was popular then, whichever video game was popular. So let's say it was like PlayStation 3 or 4. I don't I don't do the video game stuff, but like and a bunch of games. Yeah. So like me and uh, me and another friend chipped in and we gave it to him 
we gave it, we like went over to his house and we brought it to him like a couple days after they got married and his wife started crying in front of us. Oh. Like, st- like really upset. She's like, oh, I, I told him like no video games. Like he's going to ignore me and I hate video games. He's ne- he's like, and she re- we made her cry with our wedding present, which by the way was completely for him and literally not for her at all. Do you think that's what happened with the Drake and the Drake app? No, because she Drake could watch TV. I guess so. You don't think that somebody got the Drake like Sega Genesis? <laughs> well, oh, you mean a different present was what was what broke them up? Yeah, I would really like to know why they broke up. Like, we need more. We need a lot. This needs to be a two part episode. I want to know think a lot that's more. What happened that one of the Drake's friends? He has all these great friends that they got him Sega Genesis, <laughs> and the Drake just wanted to play Sonic the Hedgehog all the time. That's, I mean, that could be it. Are you sure it's Sonic the Hedgehog? Does he look like a Sonic the Hedgehog guy? Uh, who's not a Sonic the Hedgehog guy? I guess. I mean, I, I mostly played sports games on the on the system, but it couldn't have been Tech Mobile. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, it's 93. I feel like that maybe we're a little bit past the heyday of the Tech Mobile. Maybe that's why she broke up with him. He's like, oh, what a loser. He's still playing Tech Mobile. That's <laughs> probably it. <laughs> I think we solved it. Okay, so we're going to everybody go to the mall for the chip-in to get a present for the Drake. We end up with, you know, oh, this car is no good. What about George's dad's car? Everybody can fit in that car, but he has the good spot in front of the good building. But they're going to end up switching the spots. I felt like this is a little complicated just to go all in one car to borrow George's dad's car to go to the mall and then go to the Drake's party. Yeah, they could have just borrowed the car without getting to this whole thing. Yeah. But there we go. So we're off to the mall. Are you ready? Uh, a rare, a rare, you know, all four of them in one car going somewhere. You know, it's exciting to see the gang together going somewhere. Yeah, they're all going somewhere. So we get to the mall and we're looking around for the parking spot, but there's no parking. We do see some exterior shots of the mall. How about a Stearns? Oh, but what do they sell? I don't even know. I don't know. How long have they been out of business for? Is that jewelry, Stearns? No, I think it was like a Macy's. Oh, it was like the it was like the poor man's Macy's. Now it now it sounds familiar. Yeah, that was just like one of these horrible stores that my mom used to drag us to and just be like walking around, just bored out of my mind. Oh man, yeah, that make, yeah, it makes me like it gives me hives just thinking about those types of things. Uh, what about it? You think the mall had a nobody beats the whiz? I feel like it does. <laughs> Maybe I feel like nobody beats the whiz wasn't in a lot of malls though. I feel like they had their own sort. Oh, of Oh yeah, stand-up. they have their own thing. Yeah, there's certain stores that are like mall owned. So there's a Nordstrom's there probably. Maybe right. it's on Long Island. There's definitely like a Nordstrom's. I don't know what else is in the mall. I just remember like being like around like nine or ten years old, and my mom just like dragging me to all these horrible stores and being so bored. And it's like the kind of things that like my kids are never are just going to always have like an iPhone or an iPad or something like like have something just to check out of these boring experiences. Where for me it was just like torture. Uh yeah. I mean, it, another reason why we were even born a little too uh, early, but I think. Like one of my tricks was like, if your mom is going to take you to the mall, if you make her miserable enough, then she's not going to want to take you to the mall anymore. Mm. So that's what I did. And I've done that with my wife, too. Like she knows if we go shopping, I will just look at, you know, point to my watch or, you know, tell her, you know, can we go right after the store? Can we go? What time is it? Can we go Uh, so much that after about two times of doing that, she's never going to go shopping with me again. And, you know, 11 years into our marriage, like. It's been many years since we've gone shopping together. Right, right. You don't want to reinforce the boring behavior of having to go someplace. 
I mean, Rob, like if my key is if you set the bar really, really low, you can jump right over it. Yeah. So if you make it clear that like, oh, no, I'm not going shopping like it's going to be bad for you to take me shopping because I'm, you know, like go have a good time by yourself or with a friend or with all three of our kids. Yeah. That's just if anybody's listening, that's like parenting and marital. (laughs) It's a good move. It's a good move. (laughs) Akiva one on one. All right. So we see it. One spot is open. It's the handicap spot. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a no brainer, guys. As in, don't park in the yeah, handicap don't spot? don't park in the handicap spot. What's wrong with you guys? I'm sure there's going to be a spot open. No, this only spot is the handicap spot. And we get into some stuff that I'm not sure would fly nowadays in terms of that. They're obviously wrong in 1993, but I feel like that this would be even more frowned upon in 2015. Yeah, it's not any more wrong now, but I just think the Twitter sort of, you know, atmosphere would have blown this stuff up. It's so interesting to me. And I had this thought as I was watching this. And of course, that this is an episode which in some ways is reminiscent of the finale of here is the gang of four. They're going to do something wrong. The public finds out about them and there is moral outrage against them that they want some form of social justice in the finale they end up wanting them to go to jail here they end up just tearing apart george's dad's car yeah it is similar uh and uh the wheelchair um uh occupant uh does testify in the finale so you know there is some carryover there also but to me i think that seinfeld is tapped into something here in 1993 that has become something that I feel like Jerry is talking about here today in 2015, because I think that they tapped into this idea of social justice and moral outrage and really just shaming of people via social media. But it's happening here in 1993 to the gang in this episode in the handicap spot. And it happens to them by way of, say, a viral video in the finale where everybody sees this footage of them in however things could go viral in 1998. That's ultimately what happens to them. And in some ways, I think it's akin to this whole Cecil the Lion controversy where there's a video, here's something that happened, or here's a photo, here's something that happened, and everybody takes to Twitter and has an opinion about this, and there's all this moral outrage about that. And I think that Seinfeld is, in a way, getting into this stuff in 1993. Yeah, no, there is definitely a a commentary on, like, the mob mentality here. I'm actually reading a book called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Yeah, I heard uh, about that. Yeah, it's a good book. I recommend it to you and to the listeners by John Ronson. Because it will be good uh, advice for me when I inevitably become. Yeah, when you shame. have your, you know, when you accidentally say something about, you know. I show my, uh, you know, taxidermy collection of animals. That's right. Or I don't know. You say something. I mean, like, eventually you're going to have to say something horrible about the Mets owners that people are going to deem to be offensive. Yeah. Enough that you're going to have to, like, issue a bunch of public apologies. <laughs> no, I said something positive about the Mets owners. Oh, that's true. That's true. There would, be a, there would be a riot. Yeah. Um, I th- like, uh, you know, for example, um, the, the lady who, who, um, tweeted an AIDS joke, uh, and then took off on a plane. Do you remember this story from like two years ago? Yes. And then by the time she landed, she had already been fired. She was like really famous. She had no idea. Uh, so he like meets, he's, you know, he speaks to her in the book. Um, so yeah, in the, in the, uh, second edition of that book, 
I believe the dentist who killed Cecil the Lion, if they ever find him, will be right there. Uh, maybe he'll get his own chapter. Is the dentist on a lamb? Yeah, he's on the lamb right now. Oh, really? Yeah, nobody knows where he is. <laughs> I didn't know that was a manhunt also. I don't know if like the authorities are looking for him because he didn't do anything illegal in America, but the media is looking for him. So what you're saying is that the hunter has become the hunted? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wow. We're not going to top that. We should just stop. The <laughs> <laughs> we should really. Good night, everybody. Tell me, am I reading too much into this? Do you think that there is, is there a similarity to the kinds of things that we see here and in the finale of here are these people, they did, they did something wrong, and then there is a public shaming element a la Game of Thrones where we have to have some sort of like publicly pay for your sins? I the answer is yes, but I don't know like how intentional is it? it like we don't know like how much they're looking for symbolism versus just trying to make. Comments. I don't think that they're really looking for symbolism. I just think that it's an interesting commentary in that in this was the 1993 version of everybody going on Twitter and talking about how much somebody sucks. Yeah, and there are a bunch of episodes that have that. You know, the Puerto Rican Day Parade has a little bit like uh, there are definitely a few episodes. The AIDS ribbon, I feel like as well. Yes. Yeah, uh, we're all a few upset episodes. about this. You have to, you have to do this. Yeah, that's true. There is a you're right, and it's usually centers around Kramer's mistake, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think because um, really here he's the ringleader. Like everyone else is kind of you know against it. He he's the you know he's the guilty party almost. Um, I yeah, that's a good point. It's uh, I guess we'll keep out for more sort of uh, mob mentality situations in Seinfeld. Yeah, Kramer says that. <laughs> The people who are handicapped, they don't want to park in the handicapped spot. They want to be treated like everybody else. I don't know if there is any evidence of this. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think anyone has ever said that. I don't know why, but the handicapped things to me, and I'll be honest, I, like, I know they're offensive, but they're so intentionally offensive that I found them funny. Whereas in some of the other episodes, you're like, ooh, that doesn't hold up, you know? Yeah. The fact that they're so wrong about this is fine. I feel like George's argument about the women's lib stuff, about how women want to be treated as equals, and then when the check comes, then they don't want to split the meal with him. I feel like that's kind of legacy. It is very legacy, but I, I also think nobody thinks they're not per, like they're not that there's anything wrong with that stuff and, and, and all the stuff from the outing like that's like, oh, that doesn't hold up. They wouldn't say that now. Here it's just like you're allowed to have a character have, uh, you know, offensive thoughts. They're not endorsing them. He's a buffoon, right? Yeah. Okay, so we have two buffoons arguing here. Basically, <laughs> well, four if you count us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So they go into the mall. They come out big screen TV for the Drake. I mean, I know people love the Drake, but do they love him that much? Yeah, I don't know how much a big screen costs. It was a really big screen for uh, early '90s. I don't know how much that would have cost, but I assume a lot. Yeah, you would think so. I Another thing about being born in the wrong era is you could get that a TV that size now for like $100. <laughs> so they come out and some jerk parked in the handicap spot. They say, what's going on here? And everybody's waiting for the owner to come out. Uh, with their pitchforks. I also think like if there's no spot and you have to like instead of parking in the handicap spot, Maybe just idle in the handicap spot and have, you know, one person stay in the car and three people go in. Yeah, that's not how that. long does it take to buy a TV if you know what you want? 
you know, we missed when they went into the mall before they got out of the car. So, hey, everybody remember where we parked? Because, of course, that's the last time we see the gang of four at the mall. Yeah, that's true. It was a good line. Very funny. So, everybody's waiting for the car and they're going to wait for the owner. And so they just say, hey, let's just get out of here. Yeah, I think at this point, there's no there's real, no upside in going to the car and trying to make an escape. Yeah. Where do they go? Well, they go to some diner. Yeah. They come out and just get dinner. But I think they had eaten, like they had mentioned eating before they came out. So this might be their second meal in like two hours. Yeah. How would this have happened in 2015? Somebody's parked in the handicap spot. Well, I see people parking shamed on Twitter and Instagram all the time. If somebody's like taking up two spots. Right. Yeah, that happens all the time. I do wonder if this was like, especially once the thing happens where uh, the lady gets hurt because of it. I could see like a uh, social media mob mentality really brewing where like people are coming from like other neighborhoods just like to the parking lot and like waiting with their pitchforks to get these people. See, I don't think anybody comes in real life. I think that people start Instagramming pictures of the car, pictures of the license plate, and then we go from there. Oh, yeah. And then somebody like runs the plates, like some person who has like a police database. It's like a Reddit thread. Right. Yeah. Oh, totally. And that, right. And then on Reddit already within an hour, like they know Frank Costanza. And then the mob shows up at Frank Costanza's house. Yeah. That's where they go. They don't go to the parking spot. So tell me what happened with the woman that got hurt. So I guess because she had to uh, walk uh, a long, you know, a long, a longer way, she had to go up some incline, which she wouldn't have. Uh, if she had the candy cap spot and halfway up, her batteries gave out and she just rolled backwards and crashed into a wall. See, I, I thought it was something because there was a ramp at the spot and she couldn't go on. So it was just that, that she had to go from so far away. That was what the problem was. I mean, the lady says that she had to wheel up an incline and halfway her batteries gave up. That's all the information we really. Get. Yeah, I really felt like I didn't get how them parking in the handicapped spot really caused the woman to be injured. Yeah, but I don't think they can show it because they show it later. You can't like do the joke twice. Yeah. So, all right, fair enough. That that's ultimately what ended up happening, and she's not seriously hurt. Um, no, we don't know that yet, though. Yeah, but we she's not critically injured. No, but the wheelchair is. The wheelchair is. That's the big problem. <laughs> so they end up saying, "Forget about the party. What about the Drake? Screw the Drake." We're going to come back to the car and we see things have not gone well. No, the car is destroyed. Mm. And it's George's father's car. Oh, yeah. Bad news for George. He's about to get whacked in the head. So we go to the coffee shop and we're talking about how much it would cost to potentially replace the wheelchair. Kramer has met up with the woman. Yeah. And fallen in love. So George has to tell his dad about what happened with the car. How does George's dad, how does the fake Frank Costanza handle it? Well, George also lies to his dad, right? And, and says, doesn't tell him we parked in the handicapped spot. He said a car cut us off with swastikas and they were hurtling racial epithets at us. Yes. Again, similar to that same story that Jerry told when the woman got into the hit and run and then uh, left. Oh, that's right. That didn't is leave a note. No, no. Um, yeah. So, so uh, George, right. George's uh, dad is livid. Now, were there any differences in the performance between the two Frank Costanzas? I mean, they did the same things. They really, uh, uh, LD says in the inside look that they redubbed these lines like much later. Like, I think maybe not till months later, like when they started season five. 
When you say they redubbed the lines, what do you mean? Like redoing the scenes uh, with uh, Jerry Stiller um, once he'd been cast, which I'm going to, he doesn't say when they did it, but I'm going to assume it may have been like after the summer when, you know, for the next season. Because he's yeah. not showing up in the finale. He's showing up at the beginning of next season. Right. So for syndication, this is only episode number 62. And so for right. syndication, when you hit that number 100, that's like the magic number for that. So I feel like after season five is going to be probably around the time that they're going to start having these episodes go out to syndication. And therefore what you're saying? That's probably when they redid, when they redid the scenes. No, he may have done it. I think once he realized like, oh, this is our Frank. I think he, I th- it's not clear, but I think that's when he did it. He actually says that he really wanted to redo the scenes with Morty. Um, at this point, he wanted to redo the scenes with Jerry's new dad also. Yeah. With Barney Martin. But he said they just looked so much older right. that it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Like there would have been a scene where they're like a few years older. <laughs> right. Because- Speaking of older, by the way, George's fake dad is, uh, is like 12 years older than Jerry Stiller. Wow. He was born in 1915. So it's not just our imagination. <laughs> He really is almost 80 years old in this scene. George's fake dad. Has fake. he gone to the alternate sign? I mean, 1915. He did, you know. It's his 100th year anniversary. Yeah, birthday. You imagine like, what's this week's news, Akiva? Happy birthday to fake George's dad. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he lived a very long life. I'm sure fulfilling, but he passed in 2004. Okay. Very That's sad. That's a good run. Very sad to hear. Yeah. Okay. So... What does George's uh, real dad or fake dad, uh, how does he react to the news about the gang that chased George? Well, he's whacking him in the head, first of all. Right. His his insurance does not cover this. Who knew? Do you have a gang beating up your car insurance? Yes. And now this is in the midst of a Mahjong game (laughs) hosted by Estelle also. Yeah, who knew? Like, it's a little bit non-canonical. Also, like Estelle has friends in his social. We never see that again. Yeah. There's also a funny line where one of the friends says, oh, well, you know, the important thing is that he didn't get hurt. <laughs> and he's like, no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah. All right. So back at Jerry's apartment, he's got to call the Drake and apologize about it. Drake says, hey, that's OK. No problem. Jake's, the Drake's got bigger problems. He's, he's got bigger problems. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. So here comes Kramer, and uh, he just got back from the hospital. He has fallen in love. Yeah. And so he has fallen in love with the woman from the wheelchair. It's so crazy that, like, just one meeting and he's ready to marry her. Well, what happened with Susan's girlfriend last week? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess Kramer is really like a romantic. Like he knows immediately. Yeah. That's the one. It just happens so quickly. And he talks about how she has everything. Except the ability to walk. Yes. But other than that, she is the soulmate for Kramer. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, if uh, he's got everything but one thing, nobody's perfect. The big problem is that the wheelchair got totaled. George wants to know, does she have collision? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah. And so the thing is, can they just fix the old one? No, they cannot. Yeah. And George, like, again, like George says, his dad works for this volunteer thing, which, of course, they should have actually. It would be funny if they took that out when Frank is in like, like, there's no way Frank 
could be could work with a charity. So like they, they, he doesn't even work like the real Frankenstein that does not work with the United Volunteers. Yeah, it seems like that's not canon once they establish Frankenstein as a character. Oh no! Although he does cook for the uh, for the singles event, but that's yeah. not really like a charity. Yeah, it's not really a charity. So Kramer wants George to help chip in money for the new wheelchair. Kramer wants to know if Jerry and Elaine are going to chip in also. Yeah, I mean, and George, in fairness, George like has had his father's car destroyed, and he's going to have to pay him back. So he's already out a lot of money plus the TV. Yeah. Kramer kind of guilts him into helping to pay for the wheelchair and he's upset between all these presents and wheelchairs. Is it ever going to end? Uh, yeah, it ends. Like, just stop having friends, right, Rob? And then you don't have to buy anybody presents. Hey. You don't hear me complaining. <laughs> but it is true, like, when you have all those weddings, like, your friends usually get married in a clump, right? Right. And so you have to buy, you have to, like, it's not just the presents, just, like, going to these things can be expensive, especially if they're not local and then, you know, once it's over, it's great. Yeah. But then you have to buy baby. If you Jeez. still have friends, you have to buy baby presents. So we're going to see Kramer and George go to the wheelchair showroom. It is a great scene, I think. Yeah. And you see Kramer is going to be riding around in one of the wheelchairs. The Cougar 9000, the Rolls Royce. The Rolls Royce of wheelchairs. They say you'll almost be glad to be handicapped. <laughs> it's such a great line. It's really one of my favorite lines so far. Yeah. $6,200 for the wheelchair. Yeah, I mean, I would never guess how much a wheelchair costs, but that seems like ridiculously expensive. Especially if we were going to run that through the inflation calculator. Oh that's my God, we're be talking like 10 grand, 10 grand right? right now, right? I mean, could you even get a $10,000 wheelchair? I mean, I would not be surprised to know that they cost that much. I think they, a lot of them were electric then and like they're not anymore now. What are they now? They're just, they're, they kind of are mechanical? I think so. I mean, I don't have like a ton of wheelchair pushing experience, but... I feel like I haven't come across a ton of electric wheelchairs. Yeah. We don't know what her condition is also exactly what she needs. No, we don't know anything about her. Yeah. And so $6,200 uh, for that. Very expensive. And that is above what George is willing to pay for that. By about $6,100. <laughs> All right. So instead, George wants to know, they have something less expensive. Yeah, and they bounce around here, but I guess we can, we'll, we'll stay with this scene because they they like bounce back right into the scene. Uh, and he gives them an eight-year-old one. Eight-year-old, okay. Not terrible. How much does George end up paying for that? Boy, I do love that the salesman is really pitching it the same way a used car salesman pitches. <laughs> yeah. Because he says it was owned by a lady who only used it to go from the bathroom to the kitchen and the feeder cat, which <laughs> is exactly what the used car salesmen say, right? Like, she only drove it to the supermarket and the doctor. Yeah. Well, I think that there is a lot of analogies between the wheelchair and the car. I mean, going back to when George wants to know, does she have collision on it? So I think they really treat the wheelchair as a analogy for the car. Yeah, they're really pounding that into the floor. Yeah. All right. So let's check in with the Drake. Jerry and Elaine, they're going to go out to Mineola. Can you believe again Elaine is going to take this ride to go out to see the Drake? To Mineola especially. There's nothing going on there. <laughs> That's the Drake. Maybe that's what the Drake gets problem is. Maybe they used to live in the city and it was like, oh, the Drake, he's so fun. But now he's out in Mineola. And Drake Ed is like, is this all there is? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like Mineola, uh, people only know it from the Long Island Railroad. Like, I've never actually, I have actually been there just because from the Long Island Railroad, but I don't think there's anything like going on there. Yeah. Where is Mineola? That's the North Shore? It, Mineola is, is next to Roslyn. Okay. 
Let me look on a map real quick for to see where uh, Mineola is. So, what is that? Like, uh, kind of in the middle. Got yeah, a ton of, L- of LRR stops. That's really why, like, everyone knows it. Yeah. It's a big yeah. train station. Okay. So, there you go. <laughs> where the train I mean, we both grew up on Long Island. So, if we're, not, if we're not familiar with it, then it's really the sticks. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's going on. Oh, Lindbrook. <laughs> that's what's going on for the Drake. Where was the party that they ended up going to that time that in the uh, Left Behind? See, do they just say out in the island or do they actually say a place? I don't know. I'm not sure. That was way out there. There was no train, so that could have been like Suffolk County. It's very possible. And we're, we're Nassau County or die. We're all Nassau. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, Suffolk no, County. No, my grandpa lives in Suffolk County. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I will step there to go see him. But other than that, I don't go to Suffolk County at all. <laughs> so we go to go see the Drake. Mr. and Mrs. Drake, um, or the future Mrs. Drake, they, Drake and the Drakeette have broken up. Before we ever even knew them. Before we even got to know them. Can you believe that? I mean, I think like we needed to see a little more Drake before we see the demise. You know, like, we, we hear about the Drake. I'm not sure if like, I think the plot line is a little too flimsy. We needed like, if we had, there's so much tie in in season four. Like if we had seen a, uh, an episode or two with, with the Drake, even for a scene, like we could have gotten to know him better then maybe it works more. I don't know. Yeah. And so, and they're going to split. And our gang of four is going to be wondering, but what about that big screen TV that we just got for the Drake? Do they get to keep that? Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest. Like if you give, I don't know if you've ever had this, if you've ever given someone a present and they like, I mean, I guess it only works with weddings, right? Or engagements. Cause like you give someone a birthday present. It's not like, oh, it's not my birthday. Just kidding. Yeah. Or they don't die. Get back. Right. Right. I guess. But if they die, you don't ask for the present back. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably a little crass to do that. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you're like willed it, like, uh, you know, I have friends who are like, oh, they have something cool. Like, you know, I don't want you to die, but something happened. Like, can I get that? Like, can Mm. I ask your mom for it? Yeah. No, I've had that where a friend of mine that we went out to this person's wedding and then we gave them a wedding gift. And then very quickly within like a year, I think that the marriage had gone kaput and you don't get that back. No, a year you don't get it back for sure. Right. I do think there's a set amount of time. Like if you read, like, I know you're a big Dear Abby fan, right? Sure. So I think like, I'm, this question has been asked, you know, numerous times. I think it's probably like three months. It's like, or six months. Like you have to give them back. It's always nice at a certain point to give them back. But like, especially once they're getting divorced, like unless they have a really like iron type prenup, like there's a, a lot of money going out the window to the lawyers, right? So they've got less money. They, they need this money. Yeah. So you're supporting their divorce, actually, by, by you know, giving the present. If it, you give them a blender, I don't know how that's helping them with the divorce. And on top of this, this person that I went to their wedding and gave them a gift, and then the wedding did not work out, then at my wedding, this was the person who forgot to give me a gift. Oh, man. Said, Am I that person for like 10 different people? <laughs> and oh, then no. they said the card was in the mail, but I never got it. Well, maybe he was going through a hard time. Had he already been divorced? I, you know, I don't know exactly what the timeline because the like timeline. maybe he was, you know, the lawyer was charging him a lot of money. That's I had my, my dad told me he went to a wedding once where uh, the, the groom was on his second wedding in a short period of time and he got up to give a speech and he said, you don't have to post date the checks on this one. This one's forever. Uh, that's <laughs> a good move. That's what people should do. So what, the post date check- the checks? Yeah. Like a year. We'll give you like, how about I give you a series of like 12 checks for. Let's say I'm giving. I don't, what do people give as wedding presents nowadays? Like how much money? I think it depends on how close you are. 
Oh, is that what it depends on? I thought it depends on how rich you are. Mm, I don't know if that's necessarily the case where you might have some people. I think that. What's the low end? What's like, oh, I'm surprised they invited me, but I'm happy invited me. I'm going to the wedding. What's See, like the low end? Now? A lot of times people get rich by not giving their money away. No, nobody ever got rich by saving. I always tell this to my wife. Nobody ever got rich by saving 50 bucks. <laughs> is it now like you ever you like hear an interview with Warren Buffett and you're like, uh, how do you amass your $35 billion? And he's like, uh, my friends all gave 200 bucks for wedding presents, but I gave 180. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of friends, so I saved billions of dollars and I was able to invest. I think it really comes down to trying to figure out the math of what people are paying for the plate, plus also how well you know the person. Is it family? Is it an acquaintance? Something like that. Yeah, it's very tricky. I, I, we, there should be a calculator. We should make an app for like how much you have to give for a wedding yeah, present. You tell the app where the wedding is what the relation is, how long you know them, is it a friend of a friend? A lot of times, you know, it used to be you would like go and see how the food was and like that and you can like adjust the cash. Now, who's giving cash now? No, nobody's giving cash. Yeah. So I think that's sort of a thing that probably from a day gone by. Yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, we should make this app. Maybe we should cut this out so nobody steals our idea though. <laughs> it's actually not a bad app. No, it's a good app. Like wedding tip. They already have tip calculator. You just add it to like the, the wedding tip calculator. Yeah, that would be funny. Also, like you're there with the sign check and then like, oh, OK, the appetizer was good. Oh, the main course is not so good. Minus 50. Mm. Like you're really subtracting or, or adding based on like the quality of the food. Yeah. Also, if, if it's a destination wedding where you're spending a lot of money. Then I think you should have to give like a very low or I, one time like I flew to Florida for like I could only go to like part of the wedding even. I had to get back and I didn't give any present. <sighs> but I spent hundreds of dollars Which getting part of the wedding. Did you go to? No, I went to it was a whole wedding weekend, but I, I, I worked on a television show on Sundays. I couldn't miss it. I had to. Yeah. I had to. I, so I the wedding was Sunday. So I went to like the whole weekend, but then I didn't go to the actual wedding. So I didn't go to the wedding. And I didn't give a present. Yeah. You didn't I spend miss hundreds. Of, like I had to, you know, fly to and back from to and back and put put myself up. And the found blue for two nights. I mean, it was a lot of money. <laughs> All right. So back in Jerry's apartment, Elaine is pissed because she finds out that Drake gave the Drake at the TV. He gave her all the gifts. He felt guilty. Maybe he is a good guy. I mean, you know, the bad guy would keep the gifts, right? Kick Maybe she was such a bad girl that she was like, Drake, give me all the gifts. Hate the Drake. You're mine. <laughs> yeah, but we know she didn't because she gave him all the charity. But no, maybe she she's didn't. terrible. Like she just didn't want him to have them. She I don't doesn't think even she like gave charity. Him to charity. Do you feel like she gave him to charity? Oh, you think she's lying? Yes. No, but we know she is because they go to pick it up from her house, right? <sighs> I guess so. Unless she just gave that one thing, but claims like maybe she kept the money, but like she doesn't want the TV because it's going to remind her of the Drake. Yeah, maybe we hate the Drake yet. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry is pissed. He says, uh, I hate the Drake. <laughs> Definitely hate the Drake yet. Yeah. I'll rate the Drake. All right. So Elaine is going to, uh, she, she calls up the Drake at to find out about that. Yeah, she's really getting drafted. They also wanted to draft Elaine earlier to be the person to go to the uh, car and get her from the handicapped spot. Yeah. So she's really being, you know, the, uh, she's really the pawn in a lot of these games, Elaine. Yeah. George comes up and then he is excited because he feels like he can get the TV back. But no, it's not the case. Uh, yeah, I, I I really love George's like cheapness storyline running through all nine seasons. Mm-hmm. Like it makes me happy every time it comes up. <laughs> George is saying, I told you so. I told you the Drake was bad. I hate yeah, he was the Drake. Right. He was right about the Drake. Yes. 
And so Elaine ends up calling the Drake at. And it's very funny because <laughs> she just she calls up and then very quickly gets dismissed. Give him the charity. Yeah. And then Hate the uh, she hates the Drake. The Drake Ed says, and Elaine says, uh, we all do. Everybody. Everybody does. <laughs> Jerry here. This is interesting. We talked about this in the Junior Mint. Jerry with the yo-yo. We said, this is so weird. Why does Jerry have a yo-yo? And here in this episode, Jerry says, I'm thinking about getting a yo-yo. And then when yes. we look at the production notes. This episode was supposed to come chronologically before the Junior Mint. That's right. That's right. What a, what a great catch by you that he's thinking about getting the yo-yo and the big payoff in the junior mint he's got a yo-yo in the hospital room (laughs) it is season four it's the season where everything's connected yeah they really do a good job they must have had you know a good chart in this episode that they didn't have in the first three seasons Chekhov's yo-yo oh boy (laughs) Uh, there we have our hashtag yes yes (laughs) okay so kramer comes in he lets everybody know he gave the woman the wheelchair do we know her name yeah we know her name um, it is somebody knows her name. We don't know her name. No, I had it written down. Uh, uh, Lola, Lola, <laughs> and so Lola. You should have seen the look on her face. She was so excited. Yeah, and her old wheelchair wasn't good, so they really did her a favor by having the whole thing destroyed because now she's got a better wheelchair. Yeah, let's go back to George's parents' house. So we set up that George's dad is going to be receiving an award from the United Volunteer Representatives of the Month. Yeah, he raised twenty-two grand. Wow, how do you do that? I don't know, but it's a lot of wheelchairs. The lady says <laughs> it's only uh, really it's only three if you're going top of the line. Yeah, what exactly does Frank Costanza do with wheelchairs? Well, he just he's a United Volunteer, uh, and it's not clear what they volunteer, but he raises money. So, does he have a wheelchair connection, or he just ra- happens to raise money for people about wheelchair awareness? I th- he raises money for an organization that has some connection to wheelchairs. We're not sure. The United Volunteers of Greater New York. And how does Frank Costanza raise this money? I mean, he's a very, you know, you, you talk to Frank Costanza, you'll, you'll give him a hundred bucks to stop talking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So as he's getting this award, here come the police knocking on the door. You're under arrest. Terrible timing. Yes. Reckless endangerment of public safety is the charge. It's also bad because, like, if they didn't get arrested here, it's not like they'd read about it in the paper. Like, they never would have known the volunteers. Yeah. Parking in a handicapped spot is the charge. Can you be arrested for that? I think we have some emails about that, but I'm pretty sure you can't. Okay. So back at Jerry's apartment, uh, Jerry gets the news from George about how George's dad was arrested. Uh, yeah, it's all their fault. Yeah. And so between the car being totaled, the towing charge, the fines, George is really now in the hole. Yeah, he's got he and his dad has figured out a punishment. <laughs> yes, because when they're playing mahjong, they set up that the storyline in the pilot they wrote was that a guy gets into a car accident with George. He has no insurance. He has to be George's butler. So George has to become Frank Costanza's butler. Yeah, it's a nice tie in here. Yeah, I've heard forgotten about this, but this is very funny to me. Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah, it's very funny. And we don't see too much of a payoff on this. So. No, no, no. I was about to say that. No payoff. But it's it, they just did it for the joke. Yeah. All right. Bad news for Kramer. Him and Lola are over. Yeah. And it's a little weird. Like, why does she dump him just because like now she has a wheelchair? Was she using him to get a new wheelchair? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. She rolled right over him. She said that Kramer was a hipster doofus. So another callback. 
to Kramer is the hipster doofus. That's right. And he's not good looking enough. He's a good looking guy. Yeah. Okay. And she feels very bad. But she told him to drop dead. Wow. George never even got told to drop dead. Keith, has anybody ever told you to drop dead? I'm sure people have wished it. Um, but uh, I don't think to my face anybody's ever told me. What about you? I feel like I'm, at some point my wife had to have said it. Oh, oh, we're counting wives? Oh, yeah. oh obviously. <laughs> I feel like at some, um, some point. I think that's implied. Like, Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I'm trying to remember this month if it was said. Yeah, if my wife was here, I'd ask her, like, when was the last time she asked me to drop that? Is mm. <laughs> So, anyway, yeah, even George hadn't heard that. And so, George feels bad that he blew 240 bucks on the wheelchair, the slightly used wheelchair. And we cut to Lola rolling down a hill as the brakes do not work, and she's screaming. Uh, yeah, that's good, good timing. I mean, it's kind of a crazy scene, but they timing-wise, they worked it out. Yeah. But that scene itself is very Larry Charles. Do you agree? Yes. Yes. And it's a scene. I don't even know if maybe that was in the script. I guess it, it seems like it is set up to be a cutaway. So that they probably that wasn't something that they said after the fact. I think that was right. But we never also other than this, we never see Lola. Right. So it's like they kind of have to show you her one time. Yeah. So we go to George's dad's house one more time and we see George having to be a butler a little bit. And in fairness, George would make a terrible butler. Like, that's not a, you know, you wouldn't hire him to be your butler. Yeah, well, even the guy that the judge sentences to be Jerry's butler is a terrible butler. That's true. But, I mean, George doesn't know how to clean. He's only concerned about himself. He's really everything you don't want in a butler. Yeah, and I mean, it sort of makes sense as to why they don't do this. When somebody owes you damages that they can't pay, they don't force you into indentured servitude for a person because you'll just be a very disgruntled employee. That's true. And do you ever think like there are no butlers also, at least not in this country? I think some people have butlers. I, I don't think they're really called butlers. Like there's wealthy people who have like, you know, multiple cleaning ladies and nannies and things like that. But I don't know, like if I could think of someone who has a, I mean, I, I guess people do. Yeah. But I feel like it's a very British thing to have a butler. I don't know if it's necessarily a British thing, but I think it's very much an old money thing. I think mm -hmm. that you have sort of like your Silicon Valley super rich guy. I don't think he has a butler. I think no, I don't think have... he has. A, I don't think Bill Gates has a butler. I don't think you know. I'd be surprised. They, they they have you know you could have multiple personal assistants and you could have a driver and a chef and nanny and and cleaning people and cooking and and uh, I don't I just don't think anyone has like a you know. But there, there are definitely butlers in Europe. I was reading an, a story recently where there's like a school you go to to learn how to become a butler. Like, I bet there's a lot of super rich people, East Coast, that still have butlers. Really? If you have a butler or you know someone who has a butler, write us in and let us know. Please. Or if you are a butler. Oh, yeah. If you're a butler, that would be good. We'll even have you on if you're a butler. <laughs> so this podcast is kind of like an AMA. If we've... Yeah. Exactly. If there are people with interesting occupations, we'll just oh, have totally. them on. Yeah, if you're a janitor, like what other occupations? If you're a professional bird watcher. <laughs> so if could you, you tell if me. If you're the general manager of the Mets, please write in. Yes. How did you get into being a butler? Well, it's actually a funny story. So uh, back in 72, I was driving around with no insurance, rear-ended somebody, judge sentenced me to go be somebody's butler, and here I am. You know, there's no time frame also. Like how much time, like butlers make X, like how much time do you need to pay off the, you know, the butlership, you know, to pay off the damages. That we don't know. Yeah, we really have to get into that. So let us know if you're a butler. Okay. 
So Frank Costanza, in the midst of George cleaning up at the house, he hears the word about the woman who had the accident. Somebody gave her a used wheelchair with defective brakes. How dare they? Okay. So (laughs) Frank sends George on an errand to go pick up a big screen TV and deliver it to her. Now, this is like a little bit arbitrary, right? Hmm. Like, she doesn't have a wheelchair. Why don't you get her a wheelchair, Frank? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) You know what would really calm her down? A big screen TV. This seems like some operation that Frank Costanza is running. I I know. It's like a wheelchair used television charity. Yeah. It's like one of those professional athletes charities that's like super shady and they've never actually given a, you know, it's like they take in 85 grand and they, and they like paid out a hundred. Yeah. So they go ahead and they go to visit the Drake at George and Kramer. They're from the United Volunteers. And it's also very slick. They don't know. So they pick it up, but they make sure Jerry and Elaine who have met her don't come. Right. So they're there to swipe the TV. All right. And so we end up with all four of our principals in the van outside the mall to try to return the big screen TV. Yeah. And uh, we have every reason to believe they are successful, right? Yeah. And then they're thinking about parking in front of the fire hydrant. Yeah. And what are the, what are the chances there'd be a fire? <laughs> it's annoying when you drive around the city because you see spots from far and then you get there and it's like, oh, it's a fire hydrant. Well, that's what Jerry's closing standup is about. The handicap spot is the mirage of the parking lot. You say that the fire hydrant spots are the mirage. Oh, it's of no parking. question. It's a fire hydrant because you handicap spots are there are no handicap spots on the streets of the city, really, or there are very few, if any. Yeah. Um, when you're driving around Manhattan, um, you, you know, you'll see, ooh, a spot's open and you'll, you know, you'll floor it and you'll get there. And then the little hydrant is blocked by a tree and you didn't see it. Or even worse, you know, you have to be like X number of feet. So you pull up and you're like, let's say it's 15 feet, I think. And you're like 12 and a half. And they're like, all right, I'm probably not going to get a ticket, but I could get a ticket and get towed. And like you just spend like 20 minutes like measuring like counting out the steps, trying to figure out how long, how far away you are. And then you end up moving it because you don't want to get towed. Yeah. Hate, hate the fire hydrant. <laughs> I love the fire hydrant. They help put out the fire. I guess. Yeah. Okay. So Akiva, let's just talk big picture about the handicap spot in terms of uh, this episode. One of the better episodes of season four, one of the worst episodes of season four. It's it's definitely in the bottom half for sure. Yeah. It's one of the worst episodes. I mean, there are more jokes than some of the better episodes. But it's so scattered everywhere. Better or worse than the smelly car for you? Uh, where did I have the smelly car? It's it's better than the smelly car, which which is my lowest episode of the season. See, so I have it differently. I have the smelly car. I say it was better than this. Yeah, you were on team uh, a Chester, not Amir, or or vice versa. Actually, yeah, I was, I was with Amir. Yeah. Um, did you see? By the way, um, Amir's brother made the the news this week. <laughs> no, I did not. Did want you to be- see? Um, the did you see the thing where the Mets um he, he started a GoFundMe to raise money for the Mets? Oh that's Amir's brother? That's Amir's brother, yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> you saw that that he they raised uh and I, I did notice uh their biggest donor, ten thousand dollars, was one of our listeners. Oh really? Who was that? By the way, this is such a baller move. Can I tell you this? Yeah, what's that? So you saw the thing, right? And just to let people know, so he raised he started a GoFundMe to try and raise three million dollars for the Mets to buy a hitter. Yeah. So I, some people gave $5, some people gave 25 some people gave 50 but you're getting this money back, right? Like the Mets aren't accepting the money. Right. So any amount of money you give, 
you know you're getting back, right? Like, you'd sue them if they took the money. Like, GoFundMe doesn't take anything, right? Yeah. Chester, I just saw, gave $10,000 for the GoFundMe. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah. No, I think that this was a really smart move. And I do feel like it started to uh, get the ball rolling on the Mets, at least trying to make some moves. Because again, much like we're talking about with the handicap spot, with the finale of Seinfeld, I think this was a bit of public shaming for the Mets that the fans are trying to chip in and pay money so that they can get an outfielder on the team. And you're saying Amir's brother, Eitan is single-handedly responsible for almost getting us Carlos Gomez? Yes. And this podcast may be very out of date because we're in the middle of the trade deadline, so the Mets could get Justin Upton the second we finish recording. Okay. So this is Amir's brother, if I play this video? Yes. Hi, my name is Eitan, and I love the Mets, and I hate that I have to make this video. <laughs> I've loved the Mets my entire life. I went to 35 games in 2006. I have a brick outside the fan walk. And my brother got engaged literally right outside the stadium. I assume but that's the Amir. Pets have become like an aging parent and, and they need <laughs> like George's first dad. Yeah, that's right. Me more than I need them. And I need you to, to help them. You see, the Mets have all star pitching. We can be great, but we also have minor league hitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, this did make the news. I had seen this uh, GoFundMe, but yeah, so there's Chester, $10,000, but uh, overall, they only got $12,000. So well, because that's the thing. Like, are you really contributing money? Like, your fear is what if you don't get it back? Like, you imagine if I put in like five grand and then it went through yeah. and I'd explain to my wife, like, oh, I gave money as charity to the Mets. <laughs> Right. And then the Mets just use this money to pay Bobby Bonilla. Oh, my God. And like, if the Mets took the money and then, yeah, like went out and bought, you know, like, yeah, paid back contracts. Like, uh, we give this $3 million deferred to David Wright. <laughs> What's Bobby Bonilla doing? He should come out. Okay. I think it would be funny if, like, they, I mean, and now we're losing everybody. But like, Bobby Bonilla is a player who's like 50 and he's still under contract. It would be funny if they still, like, made it, like, he had to be an employee. Like, Bobby Bonilla should have to be the Mets butler. Yes. <laughs> he should have to work like a front office job, answer the phones. It's fine. They have to pay him. That's the contract. But why does he have to not work for this money? Yeah. What if the Wilpons to get out of some of these bad contracts, like you have somebody where it's like, oh, we owe Jason Bay so much money. Okay. So Jason Bay, in exchange for some salary relief, Jeff Wilpon is going to go be your butler. <laughs> That would be amazing. Jeff Wilpon is going to go be do a million dollars of butlering. That's a lot of butlering <laughs> on one of these bad contracts. Interesting, right? That, and is that Canadian dollars for Jason Bay? Because that, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so that's a good idea to get out of some of these bad contracts. Instead of cutting a guy, maybe you could do something. All right. That being I, the said, the union's very strong. I'm not sure that's going to work. All right. Well, that being said, overall, where do you have this episode ranked, Akiva? All right, so the handicap spot, not one of the better episodes. Uh, there were some good lines, so I put it at 133. 133. It's about right, no? Yeah. I'm surprised that we don't have an actual example of handicap spot shaming. Well, somebody, I think somebody sent us one. Oh, good. Okay. I take, that, I take that back. All right. Let's get into our mailbag, Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Why don't we start off here with Travis? Travis says, hey, guys, 
This episode is well below the season four average, but it takes the prior episode's callbacks to a new level when George is shown leafing through glamour at his parents' house. The sight gag amused me much more than reintroducing the bit about ordering someone into service as a butler. Did you notice that George is reading a glamour magazine in the background? I didn't, but what a great catch by Travis. Yeah, I did notice it uh, during the scene that it was funny that he does pick up the Glamour magazine. You would think that this would send Estelle through the roof. Uh, I was going to say the pages are stuck together, but I'm too classy for that. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) So this next email comes to us from Ariel, who sends us a video of something that happened to somebody who parked in a handicapped spot back in Brazil in 2015, earlier this year. And the video is that a bunch of people like a flash mob appeared in front of them and then put all post-its all over the car and made a big handicap symbol and post-its on the car. I mean, this is like a very artistic, like it's a lot of effort. I wonder if like they had to have this plan. They couldn't just like run out and do this quickly. I think at that point, if this was your car and there's like post-its all over it, it'd be like, hey, that's annoying. That's what, but it wouldn't be as bad as having it destroyed. Right, right. Like, this is going to take me like five minutes to take all these post-its off and I'm going to litter in the street. You think like a, like a hose could get the post-its off or no? You'd have to take them off by hand. <sighs> that post-it glue is not very sticky. No, it's not sticky at all. I feel like if you're driving, half of them would fly off. Yeah. But you'd have to clean the windshield. Yeah, you just have to clean the windshield. The rest would just fly off and litter everywhere anyway. So oh, I think boy. that's a pretty lousy and idea. And you'd get arrested for littering. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would be the irony of all of it. If the people, the social justice people that did the post-its on the car got it busted for littering. Well, you could argue that the people who destroyed, um, uh, you know, George's dad's car in front of the police, basically, they should have been arrested. No, not to mention that they probably spent like forty five dollars on post-its to do this. Yeah, that is true. I, like, I'm too cheap for this. Yeah, they're like, not cheap this post-its. Are, they're not? No. I mean, that's a lot of post-its to cover a whole car also. You're talking, you know, like 100 books of post-its. You ever buy post-its? I feel like it's one of those things that you always have in the house, but I've never actually bought. Yeah, you have them, but you think they're like, oh, what's post-its? Like, you know, 50 cents? No, they're expensive. How much are they? I feel like if you went on, let me tell Well, you guess. You guess how much are post-its. All well, they also have the big and the small. I know there's different size post-its. Yeah, or like the regular ones, like three inch. I only, by when I was a teacher, I used them to like write myself notes before like smartphones were in vogue. A three inch by three inch. Here we go. How many post-its come in one package? All right. This is for on Amazon. We got the five post-it books, three inch by three inch. I'm going to say 249. Six fifty two. Oh my god, that's a lot of money. Yeah, you'd be like rich to buy post-its. <laughs> yeah, they get that a GoFundMe going for that's post-its right. for the, just for the car. <laughs> yeah. So figure if each one of those little books, and this is, a, I feel like that's a good price for the post-its. Like six fifty two is a steal for those post-its. Do you ever see like the pranks? Like they'll do this in the NBA a lot, where they'll like fill a rookie's entire car with popcorn. Yeah. So when he opens the door, the popcorn pulls out. I, whenever I see the prank, I just think like. How much money in popcorn was that? <laughs> yeah. I think that you need to get the like styrofoam peanuts. I think that those are pretty cheap. And also, like, how do they get the player's keys? Like, who's just leaving their car keys around that you could just steal them for an hour? They got it from their butler. The players have butlers? <laughs> I feel like the team has a butler. But it's not called a butler. It's like assistance. That's what I'm saying. It's, people do butler-like things. 
Also, with a butler, you have to be very. I wish I could find it. There was a really good article about being a butler that I talked about. But like, you have to be like very formal. The, but, the the difference between a butler and a personal assistant is just formality. Yeah. Like personal assistants can talk back to you. A butler doesn't talk back to you. Hmm. Yeah, it's a different staff position for sure. I feel like also like the, there's a type of person who like go through like a hundred butlers in a week. Mm, like the Murphy Brown of butler employees. That's right. Well, also the same thing with personal assistant. You hear about these celebrities that like just drive through personal assistants. They'll have like a new one every few days. Yeah. It's a tough thing to do. It's tough. I wouldn't be, I would not be good as a personal assistant or a butler. Yeah. Would you want one? I, I'll tell you why I wouldn't. I don't want like people to know like how little I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd want them like out of the house. I don't want them in the house. Right. Like they could do errands, but I don't want them knowing like, oh, Kiva, you're like, Took four naps today and ate a whole bowl of ice cream. Right, right. No, I have the same thing because I work out of my house. And it's like, boy, it would be great if I could get somebody here to help me with some of this work. But it's like, uh, I'm sort of just like here in my pajamas uh, most of the day. Like, I feel like the person is just going to think so little of me. Oh, totally, totally. And then when you complain, like, that's the person you're in front of. When you complain all day, like, oh, I worked so hard. Like, your wife is buying that now. Right. And if, like... The butler's annoyed. He's like, what? We just played four games of Madden. Right. And then <laughs> when my wife tells me to drop dead, then I feel like it's going to be very embarrassing when there's another person here. Yeah, but there's a witness. <laughs> I guess so. That's one good thing. That <laughs> It'll be embarrassing, though. It would be, but I feel like you see the awkward thing once and, and like, uh, you know, you get into a fight in front of someone once and then it's like a drug. You could do it anytime. It doesn't matter. Okay. All right, Johnny DiSavera wants to let us know. At the end of the episode, did you notice that the gang is looking for a parking spot and all the cars have California license plates? No, we got some very astute listeners, but no, I don't notice any of this. Yeah. Also, Johnny lets us know the Cougar 9000 wheelchair would be just over 10,200. So I pretty much nailed it with the. Uh, yeah, that's good. I, that's a very expensive wheelchair. Yeah. And the used wheelchair would be $395 with inflation today. So that's look. That's, that's a good deal. Yeah. Maybe go for like the one step up that doesn't, you know, the brakes work, you know, like seven, eight hundred bucks, but not six thousand or ten. That's, that's a lot crazy. of post-its. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> if there was like an economy where like instead of money, you just pay for things in post-its. <laughs> that's going to be after the apocalypse. Oh, boy. After the apocalypse, post-its will be the new currency. But it was chicken fat. <laughs> chicken fat. You never heard stories about that? No. I think I feel like it's like a rabbi story. Like the rabbis tell you the story about like chicken fat. I don't know. After the apocalypse? I mean, it's like a f- fake story, but it was like, I remember when I was a kid, I heard this story. But you know what I noticed also? Everything, anything you get taught when you're like under 10 is a lie. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> like anything your teacher told you was just to shut you up when you were a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> and this is coming from a teacher. Yeah, but I didn't teach little kids. I, I told the truth. Yeah. Well, sometimes you're just trying to make things simpler. Of course, or your kid's bothering you. You're not listening. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I do that? Sure. And then like your kid comes back to you later. It's like, you said I could, you know, eat ice cream while standing on my head and watching Dora the Explorer. Like <laughs> I wasn't listening. Yeah. All right. Amir, the previously mentioned Amir. He Bro- says. Famous, brother of the famous Aton. Yes. Who got $12,000 together for a bad. I don't know if it was Amir who got engaged at the Met game because he's got a bunch of brothers. I'm not sure. Okay. So wants to say, number one. Nowhere in the United States can you be arrested for illegally parking in a handicapped spot. I would, I would tend to agree. Arrested, no. You could get towed or, or fine, but I can't imagine that would be an arrest. He also says that he checked five different places, and according to every single one, proper etiquette dictates that gifts should be returned to the gift giver as soon as possible. 
Yeah, for one day, of course. Like, or we don't know the timeline, but we assume it's like a day or two, right? Yeah. It feels very soon after. Yeah, obviously within three months, it's no question. You have to give the gifts back. And number three, Amir wants to know, what kind of insurance does Frank have that doesn't cover vandalism? Every normal policy covers that kind of damage. Yeah, I never looked at my like car insurance policy. Do you? I don't know. Is that true? I've never really explored what I'm covered for and what I'm not covered for. But are you covered for vandalism if you are committing a violation of being parked in a handicapped spot? I mean, I, I like that's you see, you're sounding like the insurance company now. That's what they're going to say, right? I mean, could you file a claim? My car was vandalized. Okay, sir, where was your car parked? Well, I was at the mall and I was parked Wait, you have to illegally tell them? in a handicapped spot. How are they going to find out? They're going to hire a. Was you know, the they're going to hire someone. I mean, I feel like that they'll investigate the claim. I mean, they're yeah, an but how are they going to find out that you were parked in a handicapped spot? Well, I think they're going to call the tow truck company and then they're going to want to come see yeah. the car and then going to ask somebody at the tow truck company, what happened to this car? Well, it was parked in the handicapped spot. Look what these You're animals right. did to it. That's fair. I feel like at some point, I mean, they do investigate these things professionally. Yeah, but this is like so little. I mean, I guess it's not so little because the car's total. Okay. So, yeah. Right. I, we should be cut. That's that's like a good show, like uh, insurance investigators. <laughs> You'd watch that insurance fraud investigators. I it would be on CBS. I wouldn't watch it. I'm sure it's an interesting. There's a lot of people probably trying to scam insurance. I feel like after the fourth episode, you're out of stuff. Like, where do you go? It would have to be like a mini series. Oh, I, I think there's a million things like uh, All right, this. So let's pitch it. That's not as good. We've had better ideas. This podcast. Like, what was the other one we really like? Oh, the wedding tip calculator that we're going through with. <laughs> sure. Sure, this idea is a real think tank. That's what we should do. That should be our, like, our between. After Seinfeld, we'll just do that. We'll, it'll be like Shark Tank. We'll just take Yeah, pitches. people could come on the podcast and pitch us ridiculous ideas. <laughs> Actually, I don't even think we should wait. I think we should get on this now. Someone's going to steal it. All right. Next time on Insurance Investigators. Next week, we're going down to Florida to meet a man who is a lawyer who's saying that he has disability issues from playing in the NFL. But somehow he was able to compete on a reality TV show. Next time on the Insurance Investigators. Uh, don't give that guy any more publicity. <laughs> Chester wants to know, isn't it weird how much Jerry and Elaine are touting their own gift in front of its recipients? I, I would do that too. It's like if you know it's a good gift, then talk about how good the gift is. Yeah, I don't think that's a problem. How does Elaine know that the Drake and the Drake at don't know anybody in Chicago? Yeah, I don't know. Chester wants to know, why was Frank arrested? There's a cop right there. Not only did he wait around for the driver, he didn't even leave a ticket. Yeah, they wanted to investigate a little further. This is the mob mentality. It was in the local paper, and there was pressure on the local police force to arrest the perpetrator. Yeah, at least he didn't get on the front page of the Post. We don't know that he didn't. <laughs> I think it would have been mentioned. Yeah, you're right. It would have been mentioned. But, but also, like, the mall was in Long Island, right? Yeah. And see, he's getting arrested in New York City. Like, does Long Island police have jurisdiction to arrest someone in uh, in New York mm. City for a you know for a crime committed in in Long Island, like I don't know, I don't know. Maybe there might be a little bit of an uproar at this point. Is there reciprocity? I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Then <laughs> I just was looking at some of the headlines on the New York Post. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I'm looking at the headlines on the New York Post app. Uh, the number four story is entitled urination defecation and masturbation outside nyc college oh yeah well the, we, we discussed last week the post is all over that story <laughs> and then underneath 
is a story called I Grew Up as a Billionaire and it was awesome featuring a picture of a butler. What does that mean? Oh, you mean the kid had a, it was a, the person's a billionaire and they had a butler. Yes. But how do you know it's a butler and not just like a servant or an assistant? <laughs> I, well, the guy is dressed up as a butler. Okay. But so did he grow up in the United States? I bet he didn't. I, see, it's, it's happening. It's possible. Kids are growing up with butlers. I mean, uh, not in this country. I, I, I stand firmly that they're growing up in England with a butler. Who would leave a butler country to come to a non-butler country? It's a good question. It's a good question. <laughs> who wouldn't like someone who had a butler? Did you hate kids that had a butler? I mean, if the butler, the problem is, I'll tell you the problem with the butler. If you go over to the house with the butler, you can't be like, hey, Jeeves, fetch me a Diet Coke. They're only ha- they only have to listen to their like people, to the, right. you know, the owner. So you have to ask your friend, can you ask the butler? (laughs) So if he uses the thing in general, like if you're going to be, this is good advice. Like if you're a rich kid or or like even later in life, like if other people benefit from your money, then it's a good thing, right? You're not jealous of them. It's great. Like, hey, we get to go to his private island and, you know, off the coast of Aruba because, you know, he'll fly everyone out there on his private jet. Like you're not going to be jealous of that guy. But if someone's just like hoarding their money and they're cheap and they don't spend it on you, then you're going to be jealous of them. Okay. And then last thing from Chester, why are people always telling Kramer to drop dead? And why doesn't it bother him as much as the wheelchair lady says it as it later will when Franklin Delano Romanowski says it? That's true. When, when FDR says it, he freaks out for some reason, the wheelchair lady. Well, he loved her. Not concerned. He loved Yeah, he's, he's, he's still in love. He's stuck. Okay. All right, Akiva. Those are the emails about the episodes. A couple other things. This is one that has come up a couple of times before where people have sent us about this since we covered the episode, The Outing. And let me read you this email from Adrian from Ireland, who says, hey guys, just a quick comment on The Outing. Do you remember that scene in The Outing that we talked about where the owner of Monks or the manager of Monks comes out and yells at Jerry and George when they're fighting and says, hey, if you boys are going to keep carrying on in this, you have to take it outside. Yes. And we were like, what's this guy's deal? What is he... Is this some sort of homophobia? Why is he so angry with them in this episode? Yes, but we missed something, right? Right. Because according to this, and a couple of people have emailed us this, but I'll give Adrian from Ireland the credit because this is the most recent time it's been emailed to us. Concerning the manager of Monks getting upset with Jerry and George arguing, the camera focused in on the earring in his right ear, which I think may imply that he is also a gay person. That right, that was a thing in the '90s, right? If you have that earring in a certain ear, mm. then you were then yeah. So I, it's, yeah, I think they're 100 percent right. I think that was the implication. We totally missed it. And so yeah, so I don't know exactly why he wants them to take it outside. If that's the case, but I think it is definitely something that we missed. Yeah, it's a good catch. Good catch. And I got one last email about an idea for a season break. Okay, this is from Dominic C who says to us, I think you should talk about the Korean TV show, The Genius, on the break between seasons. I watched it. I think it's good. I think you'd enjoy it, Rob. So I don't know if, what that would have to do with Seinfeld, but people are thinking outside the box for us. Yeah, that it really has no tie in to Seinfeld. I do love that show. I know a lot of people are into it. You should, you should definitely watch it. I know. I just don't even have time to eat, let alone watch Korean uh, You should Korean game your shows. job responsibilities. <laughs> watch it. That's how good it is. Make, make time. Okay. So the problem is it's not a show you can watch with your wife because I'd say like have some bonding time with your wife every night right before you go to bed watch one episode or half because they're very long there's no commercials the problem is I tried to get my wife to watch it she like threw you know she threw me out of the room she's like I'm not watching subtitles for an hour and a half oh yeah please can't be on your phone 
I took my wife to see Inglorious Bastards, and she was furious the whole time. I didn't know I was going to have to read. <laughs> She's very upset during the whole thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, no, we will not be watching. If the genius was in English, my wife wouldn't be watching it. No, I agree. I agree. People always try and get the, you know, their friends or their spouse into like certain things. Like at a certain point, just give up. Like people have much different tastes. Yeah. You know, I don't like the Big Bang Theory, but you know, you might not like reality television. So, but you never even watched the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, but I know I don't like it, Rob. <laughs> you don't know you don't. You don't hey, this like is it. what I say. But if you, it's the same thing. You get someone. How about this? Someone who hasn't watched the Genius, who likes the Big Bang Theory, watch the Genius, and I'll come back and watch the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> sure, but you like other situational comedies. Yeah, but I, I I don't like, like, who are you rooting for there? I wasn't even a big Friends fan because there's no guy who's, like, at the center of it that you're, like, that I'm going to be, like, viewing the show through, like, the, their prism. Like, I, don't, I, just, I just don't like any of those guys. And I think the jokes might be really obvious. I don't I like any of the being a little elitist about the Big Bang Theory. Um, maybe I'll check it out. If it was a schlocky show, I wouldn't tell you to watch it. All right, I'll, I'll give it a chance. Wait, uh, the, uh, breaking news, a tweet has come in from uh, Jason Alexander. Oh, okay. Okay, so uh, Jason, Jason Alexander, from uh, uh, who is a director of Law and Order, uh, was arrested and accused of uh, something kiddie porn related. Mm. So Jason Alexander has tweeted, Ma, if you read this, I'm not the Jason Alexander accused of kiddie porn, nor did I wed Britney Spears. There's a few JAs. I'm bold and your son. That was all in one tweet? That was one tweet. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I had to go with the JA. <laughs> okay. Anytime, I, mean, I don't tweet a lot, but anytime I think of a tweet, I write it and it's like, Oh, I'm, I need like 55 characters. I just give up. Yeah. <laughs> if you're that far you off. You have to like pay an extra dollar, but you could like write as like an extra 40 characters. Yeah, you don't do the thing where you like type it out in like notepad on your phone and then do a screenshot. and No, because then... I never tweet. Yeah. I'm there to follow other people. I'm not like, uh, you know. You're a wallflower. It's, it's one of those things also, if I had like 40,000 followers like you, I'd probably tweet a lot. But especially like, uh, you know, I have a few hundred. So a little bit you feel like you're talking to yourself, especially when you have like 40 followers, yeah. let's say. So it's a chicken or egg thing. Like if everyone followed me, I'd tweet. But there's no reason for anyone to follow me. All right. Well, if you want to get Akiva tweeting, you could follow him at Keeve26. That's why I like Snapchat. I feel like it's less. There's a lot of pressure on Twitter. Yeah, but I, I, I'm telling you, I tried. To, I couldn't even like figure out how to follow you. I was trying to get on there. It was like. Do you have to friend somebody? You have to search for them, and it's it is hard to find people. I was re- I, like, I, remember, I, I just understand I'm just how at Rob Sister Nino, or not even at. I don't think you just search for a friend. You got your real name. Wow, wasn't taken. Wasn't taken. Surprisingly, I've never gone to any. The only thing I ever went to that my name was taken was on MySpace. I think somebody took my name. Oh, but then you were like actually famous then. Yeah, I was, or closer to being famous. Right, right. I, I think Akiva Wienerker is always safe. I can have that <laughs> on any. I could get it on MySpace now. <laughs> all right akiva what's the hashtag for this episode oh we see well, what was the, the we made the joke earlier it was, now it was chekhov's yo-yo chekhov's yo-yo beautiful okay so next week is the finale we're covering both parts yeah let's do both well we'll fly through them okay cover that's both what we parts. do you just rip through things very quick i remember really loving this episode i believe it's also from the same night as the cheers finale uh, yes, I believe they were on the same night. So a huge number of people watched it. A huge number of people watched it. And I believe that the Cheers finale was long. So I think that Seinfeld was on first. Oh, it was definitely on first. I'm sure it was on an eight. And then the Cheers finale was at least nine to ten. I don't remember. 
I've, I, I've actually never seen the Cheers finale, even though I've seen many episodes of Cheers. Yeah, I want to say that the Cheers finale was like 90 minutes and then some sort of uh, like retrospective also in there. I remember that like Jay Leno was live like from in Boston with like the cast of Cheers at like oh. the Cheers bar. You know, yeah, it was one of like the highest rated television episodes ever. Yeah, so it, was a big, it was a big deal. I think it actually had more viewers than the Seinfeld finale. Wow. How about I that? Think. Okay. Maybe I'll watch the Cheers. If there's no news by like Tuesday of next week, I'll watch the Cheers finale. For the news <laughs> Give segment. us a report back on it. Yeah. And if anybody has any, we got a few emails. I guess we'll maybe we'll go over them next week for ideas. The only one I, I was looking through like my lists and things like that. I do have my top hundred all time television show list. Oh, that I made. Um, I have, see, I have a top hundred movies also, but again, I don't know how connected that is to Seinfeld. Yeah. And you haven't seen a lot of movies also. Yeah. It said top hundred movies this century so far. So I've seen those. Okay. But not the action movies. I don't watch that. And not not Big Bang Theory. That's not in my top 100 television show. Got it. (laughs) We love hearing from you guys on our Seinfeld iTunes page. If you go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes, our most recent five-star comment comes to us from at Rube, who says, love the banter. Love that you guys rarely leave your houses. Keep up the great work. (laughs) I love that he loves that. You're going to make that. That's a helpful. (laughs) That's a helpful review. Yeah, you you know, we never did that contest, but at some point we're going to have to do it. Yes. If you want to go ahead and leave us a feedback rating or a comment, you can do so at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Helps more and more people find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and also I'm in Florida this week, so if we have any listeners in Florida who want to come to the uh, Hard Rock Casino with me and play some poker. Whoa! Are you a big poker guy? (laughs) Yeah, I love playing poker, and it's it's like walking distance from from my wife's house. I didn't know that. Yeah, why? Are you a poker player? Mm, no, I would say I know how to play, but I would not fancy oh, myself. See, I would think that you would play. You would play. Didn't you tell me you played? Uh, you told me you played poker with the Miz once. Yeah, I do. I know how to play, and that was really like in the great like Hold'em boom of like uh-huh. you know, so everyone was playing poker. Right, people's grandmas were playing poker. Right at that time. Yeah, but I like going. I you know I'll, I'll put like a hundred bucks down at the one two no limit, and if I win, great. And I usually win. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know how to play. I feel very bad about myself uh, when I lose. Like losing the money. If I lost like a hundred bucks, I'd really beat myself up over it. Then if I won a hundred bucks. Right. The, the losing is always, it's the same thing with being a sports fan. The losing is always worse than the winning is sweet. Yeah. Okay. Akiva, we'll be back to talk about the finale next week. Again, big thanks to Scott St. Pierre for the edit of this episode. Cause one, it's a long one. It probably needs a few edits along the way. So greatly appreciate that. Scott, I know he's traveling also this week. I'm going to see him down in the podcast movement. And also, Mike Moore, thank you so much for your recaps of the episodes. Thanks to all the people that sent us emails. Anybody else? Who else should we thank? Uh, I'd like to thank the Academy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you to our families for uh, letting us podcast again this week and not bothering us during the recording of this. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.